0: You are listening to Philip Malika's Consciousness Evolution. I'm Philip Malika. Today's column is entitled, Other, the Third Gender, Part 1. Why we should consider abolishing the legal institution of marriage. Fools rush in where angels fear to tread. With all the hoopla in the media surrounding transgenderism, this will be a decidedly delicate subject, but one that I hope will spark a new conversation, a conversation that is not limited by the Overton window of acceptable discourse. Now, having established my intent, I will ask the reader to suspend their shock and disbelief long enough to hear me out. These ideas will fly in the face of conventional wisdom, and popular culture. And once again, were it not for the shift, we likely wouldn't be having any of these conversations. But such is the nature of the changes in store for us as the objective portion of the shift moves well into its third decade. So, all that said, even the headline and subheadline seem unrelated. I will endeavor to show not only that humanity has developed a somewhat new third gender, but that our traditional views of gender, and by extension, relationships, sexual identity, and societal roles are mired in outdated beliefs that no longer serve us, and limit our abilities to express ourselves freely and without government intervention, and that the legal institution of marriage Is actually one of the root causes of our current struggles with identity. Perhaps I should qualify myself within this discussion. I don't seem to be a likely candidate to explore these ideas. I am a white male living in the USA. I was born at the end of the boomers. That places me at retirement age. I was married for many years and raised a family. I had a career in IT. I was, by most measurements, successful. All of these things together, by today's standards and for many people, would place me in the position of being entitled misogynist and racist, with little authority nor insight to speak on subjects that I would seemingly have no connection with but what I can share with the reader is that I knew from a fairly young age that I was not like other males. I was what I would term soft. Not gay, but definitely felt and naturally expressed aspects of both genders. I also learned in my home, school, and on the playground that my natural expression was very threatening to others who, whether by nature or by nurture, expressed very male characteristics. I learned how to express the male gender in such a way that I was not threatening to other males and saved myself ridicule and intolerance by my male counterparts. It did not completely save me. Other males seemed to know intuitively that I was different and that reaction seemed to follow me throughout my adult life and career. I was well-regarded, but I was never on the inside in the male-dominated world of business. I didn't play golf, didn't go drinking at the bar, didn't engage many of the expressions and activities that seemed to be so natural for my male peers. Once again, I definitely didn't come off as gay, but I always felt like I was suspect. Something was just not right about me. Even to myself, I seemed to be a dichotomy. I was always big for my age and quite athletic. I was exceptionally intelligent. Everything a burgeoning young male would need to begin a lifetime of success in the 60s world of industry in suburban Detroit. However, as a youngster, I had girl friends. Not girlfriends, friends, but friends who were girls. And I was as likely to go play with them for an afternoon as I was to put together a pickup baseball game with the boys. That continued until I reached puberty. Then hormones and generals took over and in the opposite sex became a target for sex, not playtime. But my softness didn't leave me. I was actually more comfortable interacting with girls than I ever was with groups of boys. Boys seemed so uptight, always as if they had something to prove, always a competition. I was so naturally gifted in many ways that I didn't really feel a need to compete in those terms. Everything came easy to me. Much of my expression was actually cultivated to a certain extent through my family, a large family of seven children. I was number five, the beginning of the second portion of children my parents had, ten years between myself and my next older sister. At that time, a great deal of the chore of raising me was undertaken by my next two older sisters. My two brothers were the oldest and were already pretty much out of the house by the time I came along. Eighteen and out in those days, one brother on his own and working, and the other in Vietnam, never to return to the household. My younger two siblings were also sisters. My older sisters who raised me, along with my mother and younger sisters, left me the only male in the household apart from my father, who worked long hours for General Motors in downtown Detroit in wage administration and labor relations. And once my sisters left to attend Catholic Academy and college, I was the oldest living at home for the next 10 years of my teens. During that time, I was popular, athletic, and smart. There wasn't much need to concern anyone about my conformity to a gender role. That came later, about the time I was ready to enter college. Well, (laughs) college was iffy. It was the 70s, and I was knee-deep with sex, drugs, and rock and roll. School was uninteresting to me. The coursework came so easily to me that I was bored to tears. I did not graduate high school with my class. I was sexually active, and I was parting my ass off, which altogether caused my parents untold grief, shame, and despair. They were so ill-prepared to deal with me that they literally did not know what to do. During this time, I was caught many times with drugs, mostly innocuous things like weed and hashish. They were not innocuous at the time. I was also caught having sex with my then-girlfriend at 16 years old. That resulted in being forced to break up with her and a trip to be counseled by the cool young Jesuit priest at our Catholic parish. As soon as my senior year of high school was complete, unsuccessfully, I immediately took a job with another girlfriend's father at his Detroit flame-hardening business. I worked and dinked around with community college, passing and failing some courses due to my lack of interest. I still didn't have my high school diploma, but at that time, if you had the money, they would look the other way. We jokingly referred to OCC as Only Chance College. In late high school and thereafter, I became acquainted with mushrooms and LSD. I acquired a half dozen hits of Owsley Orange Sunshine LSD. My experiences with them were groundbreaking in terms of self discovery and shaping my societal attitudes. These experiences played into my natural softness. I embraced a decidedly nonconformist attitude towards life money and rolls. And though my parents were unaware of my use of these mind-altering substances, they must have sensed that no good was coming of me, and during the summer after high school, I was unceremoniously given a suitcase and shown the door from my family home. Though I was working, I had nowhere to stay initially. My parents engaged my brother, home from Vietnam, married and working in real estate, to assist me in using my $3,000 of childhood savings to purchase a home in a rough area of Pontiac and to, shall we say, educate me on how to be a man. Money was not particularly important to me. As long as I could pay the rent, I wasn't all that interested in becoming successful. My brother's mantra was, work hard and play hard. He was not judgmental about my partying as long as I was earning the right to do so. Although he was 14 years my senior, he loved to party as well. But he was successful, and from his perspective, was justified in it as long as he worked hard and earned it. I bought it. Hook, line, and sinker, I bought it. Between his work hard and play hard shtick and the desire not to further disappoint my parents, I set about what I had decided was an acceptable compromise to be a hard worker and what I did in my free time was not their or anyone else's business. But I would step up. And like my father and brothers before me, I would do what I needed to do to be an honorable and upstanding man. Between that and the religious overtones regarding sexuality, within three years I found myself married and attending Northern Michigan University with my wife. No one could find fault with me for following the acceptable path. Within six years, I was still living in Pontiac with my wife, but now also two children. In that time, I had basically starved while attempting to sell real estate with my brother. I was a good salesman, but the market was at its worst that I have seen in my lifetime. I had also developed a cocaine habit, which I could not control. No one was aware at that time of my addiction, but the economic struggle was obvious. Since I was now doing everything right... Married, children working, my father took pity on me. So when an opportunity arose to get me into a Pontiac Motors plant, he had my social security number pulled and I went to work for GM. So now I was making automaker money and my addiction became worse. Over the next few years, I embarrassed myself and my father by making my cocaine problem public and entered GM's addiction program. I quit doing coke, but my problems didn't end there. I ended up becoming involved with another woman who was to become my second wife. I moved out on my first wife, got divorced, married my second wife who had two children of her own, and then we had two more children together. By the time I was 28, I was now on my second marriage and was supporting six children. In less than 10 years, I went from free to literally up to my neck. The union finally caught up with GM hiring new people while others with seniority were laid off, and in 1987, my dalliance with GM was over permanently. Fortunately, I had earned educational benefits through the union contract, and I attended Control Data Institute and began my 30-year career in IT along with my 30-year second marriage. All of this to show how I was sold a bill of goods. I was coerced to conform and accept the righteous and manly path that was expected of a male in the late 20th century. And I set about on a path It really was not an accurate reflection of who I naturally was. Had I been offered different acceptable choices for my expression, it is highly likely that I would have made choices more in line with my natural expression, and it would have likely saved me a great deal of consternation associated with the choices I did make. I do not regret the choices I did make but I do see how those influences affected my life. In particular, I want to point out that my natural expression was other. Not necessarily male or female, but a more blended expression. That natural expression was squelched and shut down due to the influences I have described above. I settled on a path that I have only recently been able to recognize as I view the young people today who are struggling to assert their natural identities. And in that, it brings us to the topic of today's column, which we will explore in detail in Part 2. Stay tuned.